I'm probably at the podcast stage of quarantine now. I'm President Joe Biden. I'm here on Goofcast. Yeah, I'd rather be in a cast. Something appears to be wrong with my radio dial. That's just Goofcast, punk. You listen to Goofcast. Please stop goofing on me. What up and welcome back to Goofcast. It's your host, Michael Prims. I hope you're doing well. And I hope that you had slash are having a good Labor Day weekend. Uh, either take the past tense or the present tense, depending on when this episode comes out. We have a very simple, stripped-back program today. I want to tell the story about how I met the Prime Minister of Canada, at least for the next 15 days as of this recording. Beyond that, I don't know. We are in a very kind of unnecessary election right now. And I want to talk about two huge album releases to come out over the past two weeks. Of course, I'm talking about the long-awaited since 2020 Kanye West Donda, as well as the long-awaited since 2020 Drake's certified lover boy. These two hip-hop megastars have been beefing as of recently, are definitely against each other and competing to see who has the better album, and I've reached a verdict on that, and I'll tell you all about it and my reasoning. Let's get into an argument. Let's get into a discussion. Uh, but first, let's talk about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and me meeting him in Barrie, Ontario. And I want to begin this story by saying that this is not a political story by any means. This is purely a true story for entertainment. And spoiler alert, but I did not seek out Justin Trudeau myself. I just happened to find him in Barrie, Ontario. Perhaps he sought out me. Who knows? But I know the country is split politically pretty heavily right now. And I'm. this is not about Justin Trudeau and his leadership and my feelings on his leadership. To that end, I will say that I am sort of in the middle, uh, opinion-wise, not extreme on either side on how Justin Trudeau has done his job over the past few years. However, in the great words of Mike Tyson, from the legendary clip of him being interviewed by CP24's Nathan Downer in Toronto back in the day in 2015, when Mike Tyson was there to promote uh, some sort of play he was working on, and Nathan Downer decided to bring up his past history of sexual allegations, and he flew off the handle calling Nathan a rat piece of thit, but he said the line, doesn't matter, I met the man and there's nothing they can do about it. I'm saying the same thing here. I met the prime minister and you can't do anything about it. Off the bat, it's pretty cool to meet the prime minister. I've never met the prime minister before. I've met the premier though, Doug Ford, in the New York airport, I think it was LaGuardia, as I was waiting to fly back to Toronto, on the very plane that he flew into New York on. And we asked him, it was me and two of my friends, hey, uh, Premier Doug Ford, what are you doing here? And he said, uh, I have an important meeting with a U.S. delegate, but I'm only legally allowed to go to states that have a Tim Hortons. So that's why he was there. He informed us that he had a couple Tim Hortons menu hacks, 
including ordering a bagel with cheddar cheese, but the bagel's an old-fashioned donut, and the cheddar cheese is whipped cream. So anyway, how I met the Prime Minister, how it went down, here we go. So I was in Collingwood, Blue Mountain, with my girlfriend, and on the way home back to Toronto, we want to stop at Flying Monkey Craft Brewery, which is in Barrie, a little bit out of the way, but you know, since I was up north, I've always wanted to try this place out. I'm, I'm a big uh, craft beer head. So uh, we pulled up there, and there were all these, like, cameras set up outside of Flying Monkey, and these people, you know, holding these, like, giant news cameras around. And my first thought was that they were filming something for, like, a TV show or a movie. I thought maybe they were filming The Handmaid's Tale there or something. Now I got to eat on this patio with a damn cone on my head. Something like that. But then I also saw a group of people. There was like, at the time, there was like two or three. And they had this billboard containing an image of Justin Trudeau being hanged. And let me just take a little diversion here and say that if you're showing up to a rally of a politician to boo and to swear and to insult this politician. It's not going to stop the guy from doing his job. He's not going to see you seething through your Oakley sunglasses and go, okay, I guess we're just going to give up. Okay, pack it in. It's not going to happen. And guess what? And this just happened, I think, recently in Bolton. Hey, if you're showing up to protest Justin Trudeau, call him names, do middle finger, say things like uh, do chants, and it's two in the afternoon on a Thursday, guess what? He really doesn't care because you're not even paying taxes if you don't have a job to do at two o'clock on a Thursday. That'd be like me going into an office job and the security guard at the door trying to fire me. That makes no sense. Just don't vote for him. That's how you can stick it to him. Don't give him your vote. Try that. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, at the end of the day, he's a human being. Like, imagine Justin Trudeau showed up to your house and was standing in the weeds of your front yard. And you came out and he went, uh, hello, bonjour. We would like to say to you, uh, uh, go fuck yourself. Merci beaucoup. I don't think you'd feel very good. But anyway, I don't clue in. I'm going to park at the back thinking that they may toss me 50 bucks to go start stealing infants or whatever they do on Handmaid's Tale. So I go park in the back and right as I park, there's a couple OPP officers, and they block off the back of the street. But I'm still thinking, okay, this is uh, what the Handmaid's Tale is doing here. This is Amazon's uh, arm here closing down the street. I go now back to the front of the Flying Monkey Brewery, and now I'm noticing that there is a lot more of these protesters. And there's also a bunch of people in masks holding up signs for the liberal candidate of Barry. So now I think the liberal candidate of Barry is in the Flying Monkey Brewery. I walk in, I get a spot on the patio, and I notice that there's a couple, like, 
not armed guards, but there's a couple of Secret Service looking guys that have like the they have the earpiece with the coiled wire. You guys know what I'm talking about. So there's a couple of those guys in there, and I go to the bathroom, which is down a flight of stairs, and there's a guy standing next to one of the stalls. So I do my business, I go back to my table, and now more and more people are showing up, and the security guards, Secret Service guys, whatever you want to call them, are barricading the people from coming onto the patio. And now there's more people on both sides, the masked supporters of the liberal candidate of Barry, and these rambunctious uh, protesters. And now the news crews with the cameras are allowed to come onto the patio. So the patio's filling up. I said to myself, Kate, this is a bit much for the liberal candidate of Barry. Like, what's going on here? So I ask one of the people with the giant camera, I think they were from CBC maybe or Global, one of those. And she told me, Justin Trudeau is in the back of the brewery. He's touring the brewery. He's going to come out here and say hi to everybody. And I was like, oh shit, now it all makes sense. However, there was maybe four security guards around. That's not that much for the prime minister, leader of all of Canada. Like if I was in the States and Joe Biden pulled up somewhere, or Donald Trump, they would have closed down the entire street. There'd be Secret Service guys in every window. Like, any of those protester guys could have did something crazy. Like, there's just a a total lack of security. I know we're in Canada and shit is chill. Well, not recently. But, like, come on. Okay, there's a a guy... uh, you know, guarding off the bathroom just in case you're going to go there and do a do a dirty BM and then he's going to smell it on the patio. He's going to waft up the stairs. But for that, for the people outside of the patio, there was, there was nothing. There was there was a uh, there was a wild west for them. So anyway, we're waiting and now more people are coming on this patio and I'm getting kind of pissed because they're swarming all around my table. And you know, it's still COVID. Like I, I know I'm outside, but I don't want a guy like breathing down my neck for sure. So I pop my mask back on, and I stand up from my table and just sort of stand beside it. And these two like local Barry news people come and sit at my table. And as I'm about to say something, there's a couple people that I guess are a part of the Justin Trudeau campaign and they're walking around talking to people, kind of moving things, whatever. And they said to them, hey, are you are you guys uh, on the patio? Is this your seat? And they're like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I said, hey, no, it's not. That's our table. Can you please stand up? And she's like, oh, can we just sit here for two secs? And I said, no, this is my table. It's COVID. I don't want you sitting at it. So then they stood awkwardly beside the table. So then Justin Trudeau comes out. But at this point, we had just gotten there. I went to the bathroom and all this cacophony started. Now, there's a lot of people trying to rush onto this patio. That cowboy looking idiot from Rebel News is outside thinking that he's going to talk to the prime minister. He doesn't have a mask on, spitting on the poor hostess standing there. Like, wait, Justin, you're not going to come out of me back there. I mean, what, what kind of beer are they drinking? I, he's probably drinking some sort of communist beer, like a sour, like a salsa. I, 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 I. I don't know what the hell he was saying or what he sounds like, but it sounded like that to me. <laughs> anyway, so now Justin Trudeau finally comes out. 
And the funny thing is, we haven't ordered any food yet. Like, I, we just got there. I went to the bathroom. I came upstairs. Now all this uh, cacophony is going on. But Justin Trudeau is going table to table, taking selfies with people, like leaning in as they're eating as if he's the waiter. Like, there's a guy biting into a hamburger, biting into chicken wings, and Justin Trudeau's like, oh, hello, hey, bonjour, <laughs> right at their table, which was kind of funny. And I was just kind of standing there looking at it, and I had my phone in my hand because I was sort of, like, taking Snapchats and taking videos of all this going down. And one of the Justin Trudeau campaign guys looks at me and says, hey, do you want a picture with the, uh, with the prime minister? And I was like, oh, sure. So then he takes my phone, and now he has my phone in his hand, and I'm watching this all go down. I'm like, well, I guess we're getting a photo with the prime minister. It wasn't my first idea. I didn't see him and go immediately, like, I have to take a photo with him. I kind of was just filming all this go down, just sort of just sort of there and pretty shocked and a little bit starstruck by this such an unexpected occurrence at this Flying Monkey Craft Brewery. So Justin Trudeau is about to walk off back to the the brewery, which is in the back, and I assume exit out of the back into the parking lot. And he's stopped by the campaign guy who has my phone, like, oh, Mr. Trudeau, one more, one more. So he comes over, and we do, like, the elbow bump thing, and we're taking a picture with Justin Trudeau. And nobody got, like, a stand-up photo. Everybody got this, like, selfie with their face covered in barbecue sauce. But we got this cool photo with the Prime Minister. It was pretty sweet. He's a lot taller than I thought he was. And I was like, I gotta ask him something or do something beyond hello, goodbye. So he was walking off. And mind you, I believe this was in mid-August. So we didn't know what we did now. But I said, like, hey, Trudeau, are you going to put those vaccine passports in? And he goes, oh, it's up to the provinces. And he walked off. And I said, oh, come on, man. But uh, we do have the vaccine passport now. Not going to talk any more about it, but it is a thing now starting, I believe, on the 22nd. But uh, did I maybe influence Mr. Trudeau to say, hey, provinces, if you're going to do this vaccine passport thing, I'm going to give you a billion dollars. Was I maybe the cause of that? Maybe he drove home that day, so he sort of slept on it, remembered my voice, and remembered me saying that. Maybe I was. Maybe I changed Canadian history. Who knows? Maybe it was a doctor or a scientist, somebody smarter than a guy in a brewery just trying to not have his seat stolen by someone. Who knows? But yeah, I didn't expect to meet Justin Trudeau that day, but he met me, I guess. And the last thing I'll say about this a little bit of an interesting tidbit is that uh, Justin Trudeau was in the back and he sampled the beer that they were canning at that point in time. And that happened to be the Flying Monkey Juicy Ass, which is their signature citrus IPA. And I noticed that through all those photos... And as he was walking around, he had the can pointed the opposite way, where the logo that said Juicy Ass in this huge font wasn't visible. And it looked odd because the hole in the can where you drink from was faced the opposite way. So my theory is that maybe one of his advisors or one of his people were like, hey, Justin Trudeau, maybe don't hold this can that says Juicy Ass. Maybe you're going to be memed for it. 
You're going to be roasted. People are going to call you just thick Trudeau. People are going to write your name with the peach emoji beside it. People are going to cue up that photo to the song that goes, I keep it juicy, juicy. I eat that lunch. She keep that booty, booty. She keep that plump. The natural beauty, beauty. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could you see it from the front until you see it from the back. A, A, A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, back, back. They're going to do all of that. So you better not, you better not show the, show the can. Better not show the can. That's what I think happened anyway. I have no source for that. But that's what I would imagine that his advisor said. Perhaps it's maybe written in the minutes. If you go like on the federal government website, look up the files. But I haven't done that as of yet. Like I said, it's a very simple strip back episode. I'm not, I'm not doing any research. So there you go. I'm going to leave you with that. Okay, Kanye, sing it for the kids, Kanye. We're going to put up the Kanye. I really wish that Kanye West brought back that professor teacher voice that he did on college dropout and late registration for Donda but he didn't instead he brought out a whole slew of other voices let's get into it so this has been one of the most entertaining album lead-ups for an artist that I have seen Kanye West album drops as of recently have had this rocky controversial entertainment factor in their lead up, especially with Pablo, I remember. Remember when he said that he didn't want to have it on any streaming service except for Title, and we all went to Pirate Bay to get it over there, and he was tweeting like crazy, and he kept changing the album. This topped that big time. He had three listening parties of the album, two in Atlanta, Georgia and one in his hometown of Chicago. And during the listening parties in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Kanye West moved into the stadium to finish the album. That's insane. And these listening parties had all these crazy things happen. The first one was pretty straightforward. He was just kind of walking around an empty stadium well, sorry, an empty floor of the stadium. The stadium was packed. It was sold out all, all three times. But it was just him in this red jacket and this balaclava. I can never say that word. And that was that was about it for that. But then the next one, he's in this like sort of bedroom prison cell looking thing where he's uh, he's doing push-ups. He's taking phone calls. And then he levitates by a wire, to the top of the stadium. It looked terrifying, but Kanye West went to heaven after that one. He went to heaven, or at least whatever's at the top of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, is where he went. And then on the last one, prior, it was on the Thursday, prior to the Sunday release of, of the album, took place in Chicago. He built this church-looking thing, that was inspired by the house he was born in, I believe. And all this crazy stuff happened. He lit himself on fire. He had a fake remarriage to Kim Kardashian. There were people running around in an endless circle pit. And for some reason, he had controversial figures, Marilyn Manson and DaBaby, on the stage. And he premiered a version of the song Jail, which previously had Jay-Z, with the Jay-Z verse out 
for a light, kind of indistinguishable feature from Marilyn Manson and a very obvious feature from DaBaby. Now, about that, Kanye took a massive L. I don't know what point he was trying to make by having these quote-unquote, I don't even want to say canceled, because DaBaby just said some shitty-ass comments about the gay community, didn't really take them back, and then had this half-ass apology, and now here he is rapping about why like he shouldn't say sorry. And you had Marilyn Manson, who beyond making terrible music for a long, long time, where everything's just like, uh, da, 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 da. he was exposed as a massive sexual abuser with multiple allegations. Uh, those two guys being a part of this event is pretty fucking stupid, if you ask me, and I don't condone it. But, I mean, Kanye is no stranger to the controversial, weird comments and acts and attempts to go viral, especially leading up to an album release. So I'll just take this as one and the same, but I do not support that whatsoever, and I think it was dumb. And I maybe was trying to make sort of some sort of uh, uh, comment that, you know, the song goes, uh, guess who's going to jail tonight? Like, oh, you can go to jail for free speech and all that, but that is not the case for either of those guys. Uh, so I think that, that that's a massive L, and uh, it was dumb, just straight up. But then on the Sunday, the album comes out with every single different version that we heard over the different listening sessions at the stadiums. And I personally thought that Donda would never come out. Kanye West had this whole debacle with his record label Universal a couple years back where he was trying to get the masters, said that he didn't want to work for them. And I thought that he would keep changing this album and keep touring with it and it would never officially come out. He would essentially beat the record company at their own game. Now he owns this album and it can only be heard live and through illegal rips. That's no money for the record company whatsoever. That's what I thought Kanye's big brain play was. However, I am pretty happy that it did come out and I got to listen to it on my preferred streaming service. Works for me, not for the art movement, but I will take it. Donda is a long album. It's an hour and 48 minutes. That's almost two hours of music. But for the most part, it's pretty damn good. There's a couple tracks that I didn't think much of, such as Keep My Spirit Alive, Tell the Vision, Come to Life. But there are a lot of tracks that I thought were really amazing. 24 is beautiful. Heaven and Hell is an amazing, like, epic, pulse-pounding, huge banger. I also love Junia, Jonah, Jail. Every song that starts with a J, for the most part, except for Jail Part 2. Really like all those. Off the Grid, Hurricane... Believe what I say, really good stuff. A remote control it really reminds me of that classic kind of psychedelic graduation era Kanye sound. There's lots of great stuff on here, and the production is amazing. 
I had the same fear that I had for his last album, Jesus is King, that the religious undertones or overtones, if you would, would be a bit much. But I think that they were just enough. I would say that they're a bit more prominent than on Pablo, but I would say that they were used tastefully and don't make this a Christian album by any means. Like, Jesus is King actually fell into the category of being a Christian music album. This does not. I think this album should have been what Jesus is King was, and I think that all of those religious elements kind of make this a very original hip-hop album that I guess you could make some comparisons to J Electronica, especially on his last album, but I think that this album production-wise and feature-wise is so in a league of its own, and all of those stadium listening parties and all of the drama and all of the fervor leading up to it just cement this album just in the music digest as something that is very original, very new, very one-of-one, one and very Kanye. I really enjoyed it, and I would give it an 8 out of 10. And I would say if you haven't heard it already, or you heard it and you were kind of bogged down by the controversies and the religious thing, maybe give it another chance. I think that there's something that you may enjoy off of it if you've dug Kanye West music in the past, for sure. Now for Drake CLB Certified Lover Boy. In order to kind of understand where I'm coming from, as a Drake fan on CLB, I think it's worth it to go over Drake's output in the last five years or so, starting with, if you're reading this, it's too late, in 2015. So this album, which at the time he called a mixtape, like how he called More Life in 2017 a playlist or whatever, it's an album, for sake of argument, it's an album here. This album was a very, uh, was very good, and it was a landmark turning point in the Drake catalog where Drake proved that he is not just this sort of sing-songy, sad boy, hip-hop R&B artist that's going to get you in your feels. He's emotional. Sure, he can rap, but he's also kind of mellow and this and that. If you're reading this, it's too late. Saw Drake on the attack. Drake as a rapper. Drake proving that he can go head-to-head and toe-to-toe with other rappers in the game, especially if a rapper is challenging him. And we saw that in the period of time between If You're Reading This, It's Too Late, which introduced this new Drake with a bite, and Views. We saw this when he was up against Meek Mill. Meek Mill thought he had an easy fight, and Drake came out with these awesome diss tracks and more or less won the battle and really established himself as a guy not to mess around with. I also think If You're Reading This, It's Too Late was a turning point where Drake really embraced that Toronto's very own six god mentality i think well that is the first album where he used the phrase six god and started calling the toronto by the six and gave toronto this new sort of hip-hop identity and became so connected to the city where before he was shouting out toronto but he wasn't repping it as much as he has Uh, on this project and since this project. So everybody's geared up, everybody's pumped up for Views from the Six, as it was called, which featured Drake sitting on the CN Tower, 
This was a big deal. This was going to be a Toronto hip-hop album. This was going to be Drake going up against any challengers. And that's pretty much Drake's persona since, if you're reading this, it's too late, that began with views and still seems to be the case with CLB. But the way I can categorize views, Scorpion, CLB, and you can even throw more life onto this, is that all four of those releases are bloated with too many tracks. They could have been cut down, but all of them have been a collection of bangers, sleeper hits, and throwaways. 2016's Views, I thought, out of the four albums I mentioned, had the most bangers and the most sleeper hits turned bangers. Like, going into this album, we had Hotline Bling, we had One Dance, we had Pop Style, but when this album came out, attention was placed on Weston Road Flows, great song, Controla, Child's Play, Feel No Ways, which is probably my favorite Drake song ever, and funny enough, it was produced by Kanye West. Hype, Nine, like, those are great songs. There's a lot of good stuff off this album, Too Good with Rihanna as well. Now, 2017's More Life, I can respect what Drake was trying to do on this album by calling it a playlist, having it be a bit more low-key, not having too many big radio-friendly singles off of it, but still pretty popular songs like Fake Love, Passion Fruit, Get It Together. But I like that he took a step back, made some sort of low-key songs, tried a bunch of different things, delved into UK grime and UK-style hip-hop, delved more into dancehall, which... uh, he does he's been doing a lot since fuse is like delving into like this very kind of like commercial dance hall sort of sound and hey you even have a track with kanye west it was a bit of a throwaway glow but even mr kanye is on this album so more life okay pretty good not as good as views but eh, pretty good stuff then we have 2018 scorpion which is the previous album to clb not counting Dark Lane demo tapes in that. It says demo tapes in the name. So that's not being considered an album here. And I thought Scorpion had more throwaways than more life and views. But it did have a lot of big bangers. It was it was kind of... I didn't think there were as many sleeper hits or low-key hits. It was, it was big bangers. It was your nice for what. It was non-stop. It was in my feelings. And then you got these really throwaway tracks, mob ties, can't take a joke, talk up with Jay-Z, that one did nothing. And then you had some cringe tracks as well, like Ratchet Happy Birthday, that was lame. Don't matter to me with this Michael Jackson sample that he paid out the nose for. So I guess priority one was securing Michael Jackson dead for years, dead for like Almost 10 years to be on your album, but Priority 3 was making a good song with that sample. But this thing is an hour and a half, and so much of these songs are, like, not that great. There, If I had to make a pick for a couple songs that went under the radar that I thought were good, I would go Peak and I would go Summer Games, but that's kind of it. 
Nothing else is really popping out at me here. And I see on Spotify that this is split up into disc one and disc two. I had no idea until this point that this was, I guess, supposed to be a double album. Like if HMV was still around or if you bought this as a CD at Best Buy, it would come in like a two disc clunky plastic jewel case, I guess. But there's still a lot to carry this album and to not make it totally suck. But there's a lot of a slog going on here that made it not as good as his previous work. Then we get to CLB, and I'm still asking myself, it's now a week later. I started recording this podcast last Sunday over the Labor Day weekend. It's now Sunday, September 12th. I still don't know what are the bangers off of CLB and what are the sleeper hits. What are the low-key tracks that are good? I've listened to it three times, and everything seems like a throwaway. I was concerned that we did not get any singles from this album at all. We didn't get one. I thought Laugh Now, Cry Later was going to be on this thing, which was not that great of a track, and it's not. Then this album comes out. It's been a week, and I still don't know. Is there a banger off of this album? Is there a hit single off of this album? Is it this very stupid Right Said Fred I'm Too Sexy remix? Is this it? Really? I've heard some people say that No Friends in the Industry is the song to listen to off this album. Like, this is Drake with the bite. This is If You're Reading This, It's Too Late, Drake. Like, what I was talking about, which what started the whole genesis for this Drake era that is going on six years that it needs to shift to something new. But I listened to this thing, and it was such a far cry from the Drake in 2015. No friends in the industry. Like, I guess the Kanye camp are not his friends. That I can say for sure. But it seems like everybody else who's popular in the hip-hop industry right now, is on this album, CLB, and they're all outshining Drake. Nothing really stands out here. Lyrics, production. I thought that the Chipmunk Soul sample on the first track was kind of cool, how it chopped up and fast-forwarded clips of Paul McCartney singing Michelle for the Beatles. But that was taken from a Masego track. Drake didn't do any production. Well, not Drake, but his team didn't do any of that cool production. That's the one cool production element on this album, and it was completely sampled off of somebody else. I don't get it. Drake has all the money in the world, all the creative freedom in the world, and he keeps doing the same thing since 2015. If you're reading this, it's too late. It's too late to keep doing this. You got to do something else, Drake. Your style has to change. I don't know. He's got the same producers, 40 and Boy Wonder, all these this team of guys that he uses on every product, but maybe he's got to change them up. He needs to change his style and what he sings about in order to compete with other emerging artists. Other artists that take more risks, like Kanye West took way more risks in his album, and I think it paid off over the same damn thing 
that was so similar to what he did before that there's not even a single to highlight. There's nothing to highlight off of this thing. I think people might like a track here and there. That's fine. I can't pick out anything. And for that reason, I'm giving this a 3 out of 10. This is terrible. Drake, you can do better. You need to reinvent yourself like you did back in 2015. You must progress here. The final note on this Drake album that I'll say is that I drove home from a friend's house as the clock struck midnight on September 3rd. And I checked to see if the album was out, and it wasn't. It came out at 2 a.m. instead. So I put on Scorpion. And as I was listening to Scorpion on the way home on my drive, I was thinking to myself, what are the odds that Drake will put out more or less exactly this? And I was right. Very simple conclusion. The person who took the risks and did something new I think is better than the person that did the same thing that they've been doing since 2015. And that's all I got to say on that. Thank you so much for listening. And now I can confidently say I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend last weekend. And I hope you had a good September 11th weekend. Wow, that sounded terrible. Wow. Hey, Spotify, edit that one out. Um, <laughs> I hope you had a great weekend this weekend. And thank you so much for listening. If you've been enjoying the show, please consider subscribing on your preferred podcast listening application. And you can find us at our home on the web on Instagram at It's Goofcast. You could also find us on Instagram at Michael Prims. That's just my profile. And you can find me on Twitter at Michael Prims as well. And whether it's your morning, your afternoon, or your evening, have a great one.